we know how to care for sick and suffering people, it's our responsibility to do that. And it should be everyone's right to receive that kind of care. And welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. You know what I think would be an exciting and fascinating topic to cover, Cindy? You can't mean Medicaid, Julie. That's what we have planned for today, and that's not usually considered exciting. That is exactly what I mean. It may sound dull. It definitely sounds like it's dull. Okay. But if you think about it, it has really been revolutionary in this country, and most people don't even understand what it does. Okay, I guess if you think of it that way, it could be something in the ballpark of exciting. Medicaid started in 1965 as an addition to Social Security, which had already been in place for about 30 years. Right. Think about that. There was no Medicaid before 1965. So... What that means is people who could not afford it had no health coverage, zero medical coverage. They could not even go to the emergency room. The original law offered states the option of receiving federal funds to provide health care coverage to children in low-income families, their caregivers, and to people who are blind or had other disabilities. Who had zero, no coverage before that, could not afford medical care. Yeah, that is really terrible. Right. Over time, the rules and requirements for Medicaid programs were strengthened at the federal level, which was a positive step. Yeah, it makes such a difference for families to have at least some medical coverage for children. It impacts the entire rest of their lives if they can get the care they need and also if they cannot. It makes our whole society healthier. Medicaid's now a state and federal program that covers health care to qualified people based on income and assets. The federal government gives each state at least half of the funding needed for Medicaid based on rules that all the states have to follow. The health care coverage funded helps people living on limited incomes with medical costs and resources. It may be imperfect. Oh, it is imperfect. Definitely. Yes. But it's a game changer for people who don't have coverage through an employer or a spouse, which in this country is it's how you get medical coverage until not long ago. Based on federal regulations, which define the mandatory benefits states have to offer, each state runs its own Medicaid program and can choose to add more funding than the federal government requires to provide more of certain services or to provide funding to more people than are required by the federal mandates. The people currently served by Medicaid include pregnant people with low income, children in low income families or foster care, parents, caregivers, seniors with low income, people with disabilities, all the people usually overlooked by society. Super important. States can also choose to offer other optional benefits and or to expand eligibility to other groups like people with low income who may or may not have children. 
and sort of related to Medicaid is CHIP, which stands for Children's Health Insurance Program. CHIP offers low-cost insurance for children whose families don't meet the income requirements for Medicaid, where the children can't get insurance otherwise. So they get coverage through CHIP, which is separate from the parents' coverage, whatever the parents have. So put all together, these programs provide health care for millions of Americans who need it. 76.4 million people are enrolled in Medicaid and CHIP. 69.7 million are enrolled in only Medicaid. And 6.6 .6 million children are enrolled in CHIP. That is millions of people we're talking about getting health coverage who wouldn't have it otherwise. It is an impressively large number of people who get help through Medicaid and CHIP by the federal and state governments so that they can have health coverage. So some of the mandatory Medicaid benefits include inpatient and outpatient hospital services. And early and periodic screening, diagnostic and treatment for certain conditions. Nursing facility services. Home health and physician services. Health center services. Labs and x-rays. Family planning and nurse midwives. Pediatric and family nurse practitioners. Birth center services transportation for medical care, which is important. And services for pregnant women, including quitting tobacco. And there's more. Optional services include clinical services, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech, hearing, and language disorder services. Also breathing or respiratory care, certain diagnostic screening, preventive, and rehab services. Foot care, vision, dental, eyeglasses, chiropractic, case management and inpatient psychiatric care. That last one is so important in terms of saving lives, but it's all important. It is. Prescription drug coverage is optional under federal Medicaid law, but as of 2020, all states include at least some prescription coverage in their Medicaid program. There are other optional services, plus additional ones that can be approved by the state secretary of health and human services in each state if they want to. Medicaid programs may also cover a variety of different home and community-based services to help people stay living at home in their own community. Another really important coverage, helping people to continue living in their homes for as long as possible with help so they don't have to go to a nursing home. Right, Julie. These include things like showering, transportation, skilled nursing care, nutrition, and diet education and management. In addition to the services offered varying from state to state, so does eligibility to receive them. Each state sets that. There's also a dual special needs plan or dual eligible health plan, which gives eligible people pretty strong coverage through both Medicaid and Medicare. Right. Medicaid is their secondary to Medicare coverage, which is a great situation for people that don't have money. It takes additional needs into account like income, disabilities, age, or health. If you're eligible for the dual plan, you get all of the Medicaid benefits plus Medicare, sometimes at no cost. And Medicaid offers some important benefits that Medicare doesn't like the home care and nursing. Mm-hmm. To be fair, your income level or other eligibility criteria have to be at a pretty low threshold to qualify. So while it does offer good benefits, people who qualify aren't necessarily living an especially great life. 
usually they're just barely getting by, but it makes the coverage all the more crucial. A lot of the time, people with great need fall through the cracks and don't quite qualify, yet really still need coverage. That is so true. Their income is just above the cutoff, so they don't get coverage, but they're really struggling. Some states have expanded their Medicaid programs to cover all people with household incomes below a certain level, and others haven't. But even in states that have expanded Medicaid coverage where people qualify based on income alone, most states use a formula that sets the qualifying criteria at a household income of 133% of the federal poverty level, the FPL. It's a measure of minimum household income that was developed by the federal income on an annual basis. Children, people who are pregnant, or those with a disability can usually find a way to qualify for coverage in each state. But you may recall that certain states refused to accept the Medicaid expansion. Well, you know what I'm talking about, mostly red states. Yep. If you live in a state that hasn't expanded Medicaid, your income is below the federal poverty level, and you don't qualify for Medicaid under your state's rules, there's no coverage for you. If you don't qualify for Medicaid, you can try the open marketplace, but if you don't qualify for that either, you have to get care on a sliding scale at a community health center, which also receives funding, which also provides care, primary care usually, for millions of people. Medicaid has a lot of advantages. Yeah, I told you it was exciting, Cindy. <laughs> yeah. For one, it focuses on helping to provide health care to both elderly and people with various disabilities, which account for about two-thirds of medical aid spending in the United States. Medicaid co-pays are usually more affordable than others. It guarantees some financial protection since it covers a lot of medical expenses so that people with lower incomes don't end up with this huge financial burden after going to the ER or the hospital or for a serious procedure or something. These advantages can be a great relief to people in times of need. And because of them, they don't have to choose between a serious medical procedure and feeding their family. But there are also disadvantages, of course. While Medicaid is designed to serve lower-income individuals, not all low-income people actually qualify, like I was saying before. If you're close but not quite poor enough, you just don't get coverage. Exactly. And another downside is that it's been well-documented that sometimes the quality of the treatment received through Medicaid can be below standard. There are also times when Medicaid rules put restrictions on necessary treatments for people. So in an emergency, they might not receive the full range of possible care. If the hospital or facility does provide treatment, some procedures can end up getting denied after they're provided because they're considered experimental or unnecessary. By whoever makes the rules for Medicaid. And let's not forget, of course, the racism and other forms of discrimination like that toward the very elderly, the obese, people with disabilities. All of these kinds of discrimination impact quality of care. In spite of all the disadvantages, though, Medicaid does cover a lot of very important basics. And while we need to keep working to expand it and improve it, it is worthwhile and important to offer to whoever is in need. Unfortunately, because Medicaid is known to be for people in very low income brackets, 
there's some general stigma against those who have it, which is ridiculous. Yeah, there should never be shame involved in getting health care, free or otherwise. If we know how to care for sick and suffering people, it's our responsibility to do that. And it should be everyone's right to receive that kind of care. In this country, overflowing with money, everyone who needs care should get it, of course. But unfortunately, right now, we have too many people afraid that health care for all leads to um, communism. I don't even know. It makes no sense. I hate this stuff. Rather than to a healthier society, which of course it does. Well, one organization, and there are more than one, but one trying to combat this is healthcare-now.org. You can learn a lot and help them out if you're interested. Try it out. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Until next time, Take care.